This is Scott Patterson, Agent Peter Strom from the Saw franchise, and you're listening to Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. And oh yes, there will be blood. You think it's the living that will have ultimate judgment over you? Because the dead will have no claim over your soul. You may be mistaken. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There horror movie podcast welcome back everybody to the don't go out there horror movie review podcast just want to thank all our fans and listeners for all the support this year we really appreciate it Uh, before we get into tonight's film review i just want to give a quick shout out to our social medias facebook twitter and instagram just search for don't go out there on those platforms and you'll find brian's awesome artwork he made for us just give us a follow or a like and uh, interact with us we really appreciate it we always like fan questions and comments and a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Uh, you can find all of our episodes, interviews, uh, our store, our blog, uh, Under the Mask, which is awesome. So, yeah, check out our website if you want to check. Uh, if you want anything that involves us, just go to our website. And to conclude our themed month of sequel month, it's my pick. Uh, I'm super excited to review this movie. I think this has been a great month, honestly, for all four of us. I think we've all picked movies we all truly love. And I'm no different. I chose Saw 6. It's my favorite Saw movie in the entire franchise. Uh, I love it. I think it's got... I won't say it's the best twist ending, but I think it's the best one since the second one. Um, I think William, the our main person we're following throughout this movie, I love following him the best like throughout the movie. I think he's put to the test better than any other of the subjects. I love the... It's got the best trap in the film, which I think I know Mike, uh, me and him agree on that, but uh, needless to say, this is my favorite movie from my favorite franchise. So I don't think my love of this movie will be, won't be easy to see. And uh, I think my rating will reflect it. Uh, Brian, go ahead and mark mark him down for a 10 facts. Go ahead, Brian with the, uh, go with your general Uh, overview next. Oh, what, what did you just say? (laughs) We'll talk about it when we get there. We'll talk about it when we get there. 10 um, out of 10, baby. I'll give it an 11. Fuck it. I don't care. A 10. A 10. A fucking 10. A 10. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, I said this when uh, we did the Saw rankings, but you know, I'm the newcomer to this series of the group. You know, I waited to see I waited to see this franchise because, you know, it had that whole torture porn stigma to it. And as, as, as I've said in the past, like, you know, I didn't know better and I'm just not a hostile torture porn type of guy. So I actually had to sit down and watch them uh, for the first time whenever we did the saw rankings. So, you know, which, by the way, you can find on uh, don't go out there dot com. But, you know, that that's the only time I've ever I've ever seen this this franchise completely. And, and I can easily say I love it. Um, I love how, you know, it's basically one gigantic movie and one just plays off the other, um, which I will say makes it hard for me as a relatively newcomer to the series to review 
say just this one because like so much happened in the previous and the next ones. It's a little bit harder for me because I don't know it inside and out like like you guys probably do. And, you know, I can't remember if something happened in three or four or five off the top of my head as it relates in here. So I've ha- had to do a little bit more research in that regard. Um, just, you know, just to see how it happened. But as far as, you know, this entry in the series, it's not my favorite one, um, but I do like it a lot. Um, I just, I, I said this during the SAR rankings, I don't care for Hoffman. Um, and, you know, he didn't get any better upon this rewatch of this movie. Um, but all in all, I think this is a very good installment into a series that I think is very good all the way through. Um, you know, and again, and last, I, I'll say I love the non-linear storytelling in this franchise. Um, but it definitely makes it hard to take notes. There's oh, no yes. doubt about that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Mike, you want to go next, brother? General overview? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I really, really like this installment. And so uh, I believe I had it rated number two in our rankings. I can't remember off the top of my head uh, because that was quite a long time ago now. But I'm pretty sure it was my second favorite. And I, you know, upon actually two rewatches in the last week or so, uh, I, I like I love everything I love about it, and I'm bothered by the things I'm still bothered by it. Um, I think, I mean, Brian kind of touched on this. Ho- Detective Hoffman's not my favorite character in, in this franchise. Um, I think it, he kind of strays away from what what I thought that John Kramer was going for, and I know that's kind of the point, but it still makes it a little convoluted for me that he's been kind of working there all this time. Like, like. Like Brian said, you kind of forget what happens in which Saw movie, but just strictly talking about Saw 6, this movie, one thing I would like about Saw 6 and really the franchise is this movie has a plot, and I think it's a good one. And not only is it is it's, it a, just a good movie plot in and of itself, but it also was reacting to what was going on while this movie was taking place, healthcare crisis, the financial you know crash at, at that time, it really hit back quick on that, and I thought it was really well done. And I know other people have talked about that, and I'm, some people don't like that Saul got a little political here, but I think it works uh, because, like you know, Nico said off the top, it gets our main our main person into m- maybe the most difficult uh, Saul, I guess you call it trap game that, or you know, he probably goes through the most difficult Saul game of anyone that I can think of uh, to make it or to try to make it out on the other side, and it does have the best Saul trap of of all the all the movies. I don't even, I don't even think it's close. It's my favorite. I'll save it for when we get to that scene, but uh, all in all, I really like this film. I think that it has some of the, the best looking kills. Um, now this is one movie where the, the lighting on the saw started to get a little bit too light for me. They go way too far in the next one, but um, I like the characters for the most part. I liked it. I like the de- detectives, but I, I, I wish there was more jigsaw, and less Detective Hoffman. Like, I wish there was more just, like, good salt trap games and less Detective Hoffman, but I'll save it for when we get to another scene later. But uh, all in all, really, really, really enjoy Saw 6. Yeah, so uh, the Saw rankings, when we ranked the films in the franchise, that was early on in my tenure with the fran- uh, with uh, the podcast here. Matter of fact, I'm not 100% sure that I – was I a full-time member at that point, or still was that still just a guest – I don't know. Your first your first episode as a full time member was episode thirty, and it was Saw. Okay, and anyway, so we reviewed Saw before we wrecked the franchise, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Franchise. It wasn't. Lo- it wasn't long after that, though. We did. Yeah, I knew. I knew it was close. Five. I just couldn't. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I you know 
I said it back then, and I'll stand uh, stand firm in my stance that uh, the Saw franchise is. There, you can make a case for it being my favorite horror movie franchise. It probably is, um, as far as a complete saga. Uh, even the bad movie, I enjoy. I'll, you know, I know Nico and I differ on <laughs> the worst movie in the franchise. Not we don't differ on which one it is, but he absolutely hates it. Whereas I can still tolerate it. But um, when we rank the I franchise, I rank. I don't love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, I rank Saw Six third out of the eight films in the franchise to date. Um, really damn good movie. Really fond of the movie. Uh, I said it back then, and I'll say it again that this movie does a good job. You know, a lot of times in horror movies or just movies in general, you don't really cheer for the uh, the villain with a and feel good about it. But in this one, I was like. Man, fuck this guy. <laughs> he got himself in this in, in himself. Like William deserves what he's having to go through because he came up with the uh, the formula and he came up with it's his policy that's killing quote unquote killing all these people. And yeah. so uh, this movie was even more so enjoyable than a lot of the films in the franchise just because I enjoyed seeing this asshole get his comeuppance. But uh, it does have a lot of good traps. It's got uh, Eddie Winslow, which is bonus points. Um, it, it does a now what you said, Brian. I want to speak to that about how uh, it's kind of hard to keep track of. Did that happen in Saw Three? Did that happen in Saw Four or Five? Now, speaking of someone who is self-diagnosed, I'm about ninety-five percent sure that I have CTE, so my memory is shit sometimes. Yeah, it's tough when you watch this movie as a standalone. It's tough to remember which one did that happen. So I will say that. Um. And that's not a bad thing. It's just for me and my my memory, uh, for me to keep track of everything and put the jigsaw pieces together, if you will. Um, you kind of, <laughs> I kind of need to watch them in succession as one big movie. I mean, that's a daunting task. There's eight damn films, but still, I almost need to watch them all really close together so that I can remember. Oh yeah, that's where that's from. But that's not a knock. It's just I think that's actually very well done that they were able to tie together the movies uh, as masterfully as they did. And the, the flashbacks and the way they interweave the uh, past and the uh, present. Uh, I think it's really well done. I enjoy this movie. I'm not going to go full, uh, full fledged Nico and give it a 10, but it's going to be favorable for me as well. Sorry if you tune into this to hear me shit on movies. Cause I do that a lot, but Nico and I are going to be on the same page. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> Hey, real quick, before you go, Nico, two things. This this franchise, to me, is best enjoyed like a Netflix series. Like, if you watch it, it's kind of like a like a Netflix series that has long episodes. Like, it's very enjoyable. Like, there's not really a just a straight-up bad episode. Like, if you view it like that, if you watch it in succession. And I agree with you. It is the best way to watch it. And it's funny. I uh, was watching... Uh, the the dead meat kill count the other night and something happened and i was trying to explain it to my girlfriend and i just stopped myself i said you know what nope never mind don't it'll take me a million years to give you the backstory on why this makes sense so saw i love you to death but the non-linear storytelling definitely gets a little it gets a little wonky (laughs) yeah i you definitely you can't watch this movie just without knowing the rest of them you'll be lost as hell (laughs) right right um, y'all ready to jump into the scene by scene? Let's do it. 
Let's do it, fellas. All right. The film starts with Simone and Eddie waking up in a room. They're caged off from each other. They awake with like this head screw trap on their heads, and they see like a board with these knives attached to it on there. Billy, Billy the dog comes on the TV. They're lone predators, and they're being punished for it. They have to sacrifice their own flesh. Whoever moves the most gets to live. Only one minute to offer the most flesh. Eddie uses the knife to remove flesh off of his stomach and rib cage area and takes an early lead. However, Simone scrambles in desperation and cuts and hacks her arm off with a cleaver. She drops her arm into the scale and defeats Eddie in the flesh uh, competition, killing Eddie. She falls and screams us into a title card. Flashback now to Amanda and Cecil in the car, and now we see the ending of Saw 5. Strom is crushed in the room as Hoffman descends into the floor in the glass coffin. He exits the coffin and opens the room back up to a mutilated body. Now at Umbrella Health, we meet the boss, William Easton. He tells Babe on the phone he's not going to make the birthday dinner because he has to meet with Debbie, the company lawyer. He's being sued by a man named Harold Abbott. Flashback to when William denies his coverage. He failed to mention he had oral surgery to remove a cyst, and William explains that scar tissue can cause gum disease that leads to heart disease. Harold freaks out, but that's the rules, William says. Harold exits saying, you just killed me. Debbie asks, do you think he did it on purpose? He brings up the good the company does, like charity work, and we see Pam Jenkins on the news talking about Jigsaw. William tells Debbie it was the dog pen who found the discrepancy in uh, Harold's application, and I wrote that they're all kind of suck-ups. All right, Brian, that's the first two scenes I got. You want to kick us off? Yeah. Oh, by the way, every time I hear Umbrella, um, whatever, I always think of Resident Evil. Um, anyway, that the right off the bat, a little fast fact. Um, you know, the plan was actually to bring Dr. Gordon back in this installment. Um, I know he eventually comes back, but man, I would have liked to have actually seen that come to fruition. I was trying to see what he filmed like around that same time. And it looks like it was more than likely a Christmas carol for Disney, I think. And I mean, I know he comes back for the next one, I believe the final chapter, I roll final chapter, but I do, uh, I do wonder what this would have been like, honestly, if he'd have been in it. Um, I think this is another great opening for the franchise. Um, I'll say Eddie is terrible at following directions, by the way. Look, if your friend and it tells you to not lean forward, the first thing you should not do is lean forward, by the way. Um, I do love this because, you know, the entire time you think he's got such an advantage because of all his fat. And it's just this is gruesome as hell, which I mean, I know early entries in the franchise progressively got worse with that, but they definitely went more shocked torture porn for these like later installments for sure which um you know i actually is i don't i don't hate it all you know i like this franchise um strom was one of my favorite characters in the franchise so i I hate seeing him die again but uh a friend of the show scott patterson another big thank you for doing the intro on the this episode by the way um he's probably my second favorite character in this entire franchise um the you know Mike touched on this a little bit earlier. I, I've got it written down here about how movie or how period centric this movie is. You know how it focuses on the healthcare and financial crisis that happened around 2008, and you know that that I'm here for it. You know you talked about that it gets political and and it's not a big deal, and and I agree with you because you know mostly that's that's the tr- it's been the truth about insurance companies forever, and people have said it forever, regardless of your political affiliation. I mean we can all agree insurance companies suck. Um, and lastly, you know, I'll just a little comment about the dog pen to me, it doesn't really stand out and, and which 
I actually, in my, in my closing, I go into a little bit more of my closing statement as like a nitpick of this movie. But, uh, uh, it, to me, it's just the dog pen. Like I wish they would have had a little bit more character development and build up with that a little bit. Um, except of course, Darius McCrary, who immediately recognizable is looking exactly as he did nearly 20 years prior as Eddie Winslow in the family matters. Cause it's a rare condition this day and age to read in the good news on the newspaper. Okay. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hey, that's the first thing I think of when, when I see him too. So to see him in this movie, the very first time I saw it was kind of like a, Oh, Oh, okay. Winslow. Okay. Um, just starting off the back here. I like this opening scene a lot. I, I think the concept of having to offer your own flesh, you know, given the reason why they're there in the first thing, is kind of cool. Um, you know, shout out to the woman I'm drawing a blank who played Simone. She got, got the part on that reality show. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. And I remember that show too. I I just don't remember her winning. So that, but, um, she's actually really good in this scene. Like the minute she kind of like loses it and snaps and says, I have to actually take my arm off and goes meat cleaver with it. Great. Fantastic scene. The fact that they were both willing to do it is even more crazy. So, um, I also like the head screw kill. I think that was kind of, uh, just, you know, kind of different and unique, not, not, not too over the top or too unbelievable that it could be a thing. Um, you know, Brian, you talked about how the insurance companies, how the insurance companies have always been kind of shitty. Um, that's definitely a thing. And I think that's why this movie, while it is very of its time, it's still relatable. However, many years later, because insurance companies still do this to people. They still find their, their loopholes and ways around stuff. And I think that's why the plot is so interesting of this film specifically. If you're going to watch a standalone Saw movie, the first one. And this one, you could if you watched, you know, some catch-up material just because of the plot. Um, the uh, dog pound thing or, the, you know, like the – everyone that, we, that we're that we going to see again later on, um, as much as I love that trap, I do agree with you, Brian. I wish they had just kind of fleshed out why we should care about these people a little bit more. But it, um, it's not a huge problem for me. Like I think it's okay. I just wish we could have gotten to know them a little bit more than this little thing right here. But um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have on this set of scenes. But I like where I like how this movie begins. It takes us to a, it has us in a cool saw game, and then we're on to like what is the actual plot of this movie. And I think that th- th- this movie deserves a pat on the back for at least touching on this in a horror movie, which not many things were you know not not a lot of horror movies, especially a sixth installment of a franchise like this, is willing to go and do that. And I I think it works for the rest of this film. Yeah, so you said that the first thing you thought of when you saw Darius McRae was uh, Eddie Winslow. First thing I thought of was, I'm pretty sure that no one has ever seen Darius McRae and Zach Randolph uh, in the same room together because they look like doppelgangers. Uh, Zach Randolph, of course, former Memphis Grizzly star. Anyway, uh, the the opening scenes, I think it's it's a good trap. Of course, you know what would a Saw movie be without the uh, you know the initial trap with two unsuspecting strangers. Um, and I like how they, I really enjoy, enjoy the, uh, the, the topical nature of the traps, you know, the, you're predatory lenders. So you're going to get what you deserve. This is what you've been doing metaphorically to people. So we're going to do it literally to you. Um, but, but I absolutely hate how she opened her shirt and acted all surprised. Like, Oh, I ain't got no fat to cut off, bitch. <laughs> you know how good you look under that shirt. Shut up. 
just get to cutting your arm off. That that annoyed me. Like, come on, man. But uh, regardless, I like the 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 flashback after that. How they kind of gave us a little refresher course on what had happened in Saw Five. Uh, that that was well done. Remembering, uh, you know, what happened with Strom and Hoffman and everything. So that that was well done. Uh, then we get to meet William, and I hate him from the beginning. Like we get to see this man be evil. I've said it for years. Uh, insurance and pharmaceutical companies are the biggest uh, villains in America or in society today anyway. And so this just proves my point, furthers my point. Um, you know, he did a very indecent thing. It, it might have been following the p- policy and follow, following the uh, formula and going by company policy and procedure. But it's not a decent thing to do as a human to basically bring up something from all those years ago and sentence this man, sentence this man to death. Uh, so you automatically hate William. Now the dog pit, I actually didn't have a problem with the dog pit because I think it was, uh, very spot on to demonstrate corporate America. You've got this guy up in the office living the, the cush life. He's not really doing shit. He's got an assistant outside who's telling him, Hey, you've got a meeting, blah, blah, blah. Why you've got six people sitting around busting their asses on the phone nonstop. And so I thought it did a good job of demonstrating that hierarchy there. But then they also explained what they're there for. He said, you know, if there's a loophole, it's them that finds it. And so you know that they're going to be uh, crucial to the development of the storyline in this film. Um, and you automatically know that it, if you can... If you can foreshadow that William is going to be in a predicament, it's I, I just automatically assume, okay, the dog pit's going to have to either save him or he's going to, I didn't really think you'd have to save them. I didn't know what was going on. But, uh, you know, I, I knew that they were going to be paramount to the, uh, to the pinnacle of the movie. And I just want to give a quick shout out. Like Mike mentioned, uh, the actress who played Simone, uh, Tanidra Howard, a uh, big shout out. She won a, a reality TV show. I think it was on VH1. Uh, so that's why she got the role in this movie. So big shout out to her. Our Hoffman is listening to the audio of the first trap and then gets a call. He heads back to the crime scene and is greeted by Erickson, who only made the trip because there were fring- fingerprints found at the scene. They were Strom's fingerprints. He now reveals to Hoffman that Agent Perez is still alive to Hoffman's shop. Hoffman asks what else they're hiding from him. Perez says Strom knew all the five victims from the realty trap in Saw 5. Erickson offers Hoffman access to all their info going forward. Pam now greets with Hoffman, and she tells him she knows more about Jigsaw than he thinks. She brings up the box that he left for Jill Tuck, and she wants an interview. Hoffman goes into Simone's hospital room and asks who did this to her. She gets pissed when he presses her with questions about who did it to her. She goes off on him and and shows her nub of an arm, and she didn't learn her lesson and now leaves. Now we see Jill in her apartment watching the home video of her and John and their and their son Gideon's ultrasound. She flashes back to when Cecil killed her baby in the in her womb. She opens the box and reveals six envelopes and another mail envelope package thingy in the box. Pam calls Jill and leaves a message asking to talk about John. Flashback to the beginning of Saw 4 where Hoffman gets a tape saying his game's just begun. The coroner shows Hoffman pictures from all the jigsaw pieces cut from the victims. They all look the same, but the coroner says the most recent victim, a different knife, was used to cut out the puzzle piece of flesh 
and the only the only other with the same type of knife was with Seth Baxter. Erickson Erickson says they're checking the tape with Baxter to tie the two, to tie the two kills together. Hoffman is looking hella nervous. I wrote. Jill gets to the clinic and sees Hoffman and calls him to her office. He tells her game begins tonight and he controls all aspects of the game. Jill gives him five of the six envelopes and he works alone from now on. Jill says she's only carrying out John's last request. She tells him that William is unfinished business. Jill flashes back to John in her office telling her that these patients will continue to hurt and abuse the system. They have no respect for the lives they're helping. They're, de- they're destroying, he says. He says Jill, a recovered, a re- he shows Jill a recovered Amanda and how his method works. He helped me, Amanda says. Back at Umbrella, William is in his office and more jigsaw news on the TV. Then the TV cuts off from the storm outside. William sees a shadow of a man with a gun, so he grabs his gun. He crawls through the office cautiously, and he shoots the man, but it was a security guard, and he panics. And now the pig-faced person grabs William and injects him, and he wakes up in a trap. His arms and legs are bound in chains with a respirator on. John comes on the TV, and today is the day they meet again. He tells William his policy doesn't account for the, the human will to live, and his policy will be put to the test, with bombs on his limbs for all four of them. He, if he fails, he will never see his family again. A young man and his mother wake up in his cell and see William in his trap. First test, he must hold his breath longer than the office janitor, a man who has high blood pressure and smokes. Every breath you take, the tighter the clamps will crush your ribs and chest area. The game starts. They both hold their breath, then the janitor takes a breath. Eventually, the less healthy janitor loses. He pisses himself and has his ribs and core crushed to death setting William free, and he removes one, one shackle from his wrist. He has a surgery, surgery wound on his ribs as well. He finds a key and arrow that leads to the next game. All right, go ahead, Brian. Um, yeah, I, I love them bringing back Perez. Um, again, continuity is something that I'm vehemently on the record as saying is very important to me in a franchise. And by God, if anything, this series has continuity. And uh, hell, sometimes they even make shit up to make it continuity. But I, uh, I saw I actually saw one review that said, you know, it's a series that almost punishes you for paying attention because it changes everything. But I mean, I disagree with that. I, I think that's a series who rewards loyal fans and gives you, you know, things that you'd only know if you'd seen the other entries. So I don't think it works later um, in the newest one, Jigsaw, I believe. But this one, it does work for me. I, I think it works for sure here. Um, by the way, in that home video, I just want to say it's the worst looking ultrasound I've ever seen. Um, and I've said this before, so I'll just say real quick, but this whole miscarriage thing, like every time it shows it, it, it hits home for me. So every time I see, every time I see this part and any of the movies, it just kind of like, it hits me a little bit differently. Um, a nitpick of mine was bald John Kramer. That bald cap looks terrible in that scene. And with that little soul patch, Kramer looks like Howie Mandel. I just want to put that out there too. Um, also, I think this is a mistake because although they say, you know, Jigsaw, quote unquote, Jigsaw used a you know knife with a serrated edge on it to cut that piece out and the real Jigsaw used a scalpel. But I believe if you go back and watch, and I I did not go back and watch, but I'm, I'm 99% sure that this is true. But Hoffman really did use a scalpel, I think, for that. So I think that they just kind of messed up whenever they did that. Um a little fun fact, this was the first Saw movie to use digital timers in body-worn traps. 
And I think everybody else has spoken to this and I haven't yet, but I, so I'll just go ahead and say that this whole, this whole William going through each one of these traps in this almost like house of horrors type game. I love, I really do love this. And the whole misdirection at the end, the bait and switch with the family, absolutely great. And I'll speak to that later, but lastly, and I really just want to say this because I think it's very true in this one, but this movie right here really lets Tobin Bell do what he does well. And his lines are crazy good in this one. It's like every single time that Tobin Bell speaks and talks, he has something to say in this one. And I think, I think it's very good writing in this one for him, especially. Yeah. You mentioned it right off the bat. Tobin Bell, when they let him just be John Kramer and Jigsaw, he does a great job. And I, I think it shows, especially in this movie throughout these scenes. Now you mentioned the ball cap. It is bad. It, it's, it's, it's unnoticed. It's noticeably bad. It's hard to, to miss it. Um, I like, uh, now I'm going to kind of jump around here because, you know, that's kind of what Saul does. So I, I might as well do it too. Um, I love the janitor trap. I think how we, how, how we get William into the janitor trap. I'm not a big fan of how they kind of like invade his office and stuff like that. Doesn't, I mean, whatever, guy to pick head is fine, but I'm a big fan of the janitor trap, and I'm a big fan of it because of how it ties into William treating his customers, his employees, you know, his employees and everything else. And just I kind of want to see this guy die, but it's also interesting to see him make it through these traps as well. And I think that's kind of something I enjoy about Saw 6 overall. Um, again, some of the Hoffman and detective stuff, I'm just not a fan of that side plot. And I know it has a lot to do with the continuity throughout the film. So I'm not down on it. I just, I'm just, I kind of tune it out sometimes, especially because I just, Detective Hoffman is just not one of my favorite characters. I like involving Jill in the box though, because <laughs> it is a way to tie it in. And the the scene when you get Hoffman and Jill together, that, I don't know, there's like a, I guess I just don't like Hoffman, honestly. And I think that I think Jill is really good here, and the flashback you get with um, him, with her and Tobin Bell, and it's really, really good. Especially the miscarriage angle. I, you know, like Brian said, that hits home for a lot of people. So it makes it makes makes uh, them seem like real people and not these you know maniacal you know weirdos that are technically not killing people, but they are killing people. I know what Saul fans like to say, but uh, I'll get into that another day. But no, I I like the set of scenes, but. I do think the the janitor trap is probably the strong point. I guess I just like the traps in Saw and some of this other stuff I could take or leave. So, um, but again, big big shout out to Toby Bell here, man. What, you know, uh, Brian touched on it when he says something in this movie, especially when he's looking at William into the camera. It, it's 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 damn good stuff. Yeah, so I, I really like the reveal that Perez is still alive. I thought that was a pleasant twist. Uh, just seeing the oh shit look on Hoffman's face and seeing him kind of panic while trying to uh, maintain calm. is like a duck sitting on the water, right? Like he looked calm, but you could tell underneath the water, his, those feet were just kicking away. Um, Hoffman doesn't try to hide shit in this movie, man. Like in the hospital, he asked the girl, you know, he asked her, right. did you learn, did Thank you, you learn your lesson? Thank you. <laughs> and she's like, what lessons are to be learned? Look at my fucking arm. And then, uh, you know, it's just, he's not subtle at all in this movie. And that kind of pissed me off, but it is what it is. Uh, and then the uh, you know they had the feds had to know it's Hoffman by the now. Why are they risking more deaths and more innocent lives? I get annoyed with that actually because uh, they seem to have enough on him to put him away. 
And so by them being this, uh, this nonchalant and almost flaunting it in his face that how we got you, but you don't really know that we got you. Like they were a little bit too, uh, too lackadaisical for my taste, because again, more innocent lives could be, could be lost by them uh, not busting them when they can. Um, like the, the blade connection there, that, that's just too obvious. Uh, and bringing up the, the guy who killed your sister, like get, get out of here. If, if you know it's him, then nail him to the wall. Um, and then, you know, we go to the office there. Why the hell would he shoot the security guard? I get it. It's dark and you're scared, but if you're in the office after hours, you have to know that there's a security guard there, right? So when you see someone walking, your thought process might be, Hey, that might be a security guard. Let me ask him, Hey, is that you security guard before I just fire around into his chest? Also, why you got a gun in your desk? If you got a fucking security guard, man, relax. Um, that's almost all I got. The The last thing I've got is, so I like the trap with William and Hank, the janitor, but I hate that Hank, the janitor is even in that trap because well, he smokes cigarettes. Like you're going to potentially kill this man. And then yes, you're going to kill this man because he likes to, you know, he likes to suck ash. Come on, cut the man in the break. Oh, it is one of the dumbest reasons that the John Kramer has ever put anyone in a trap. Top yeah, no shit. We're gonna start. We're gonna start putting people in traps for drinking too many Coca Colas, and after a while, in the yeah. next one. Hey, yeah. hey I, I mean, might have oh. had too many of them earlier. Whew. This guy was in the public urine or public stall earlier and didn't courtesy flush. Let's kill him. Put him in a trap. <laughs> That's what they did to Boy George. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Our Tara cries for help, and Brent sees a lever that says "Live or Die." That's connected to a tank of hydrofluoric acid, and she asks about the timer. She says they're here because of his father. Hoffman watches on and sees their pictures, and he now sees a picture of Pam Jenkins. Pam walks the halls of an apartment complex and knocks on Jill Tuck's door. Pam hands Jill a note, and she says it means nothing to her and closes the door, and she slides a note under her door and walks back to an already open, non-working elevator. She exits and is ambushed by the pig-masked man. Pam is in a cell near Brent and Tara. William sees the party written on his wrist. It's when he and John first met. He remembers their first conversation and he explains the formula to John. He divides that formula and basically he chooses who lives or dies. John says it doesn't take into consideration the will to live. And I wrote William looks real nervous now. He wanders through a door and grabs two handles and then is jump scared by a hanging billy doll that crashes into the window he looks through. He sees Addie and Alan, the two fellow office workers, on small platforms with barbed wire nooses. He must make a choice who can live. One is a healthy young man with no family, and Addie is a less healthy woman, but with a large family who she'd be a huge loss to them if gone. His choice isn't easy now that he, he now that he looks at the lives being lost. The chains tighten as he holds on, and they almost fall off their platforms. He looks down at their pictures and sees Addie and her family, and he chooses to save her, killing Alan, hanging him. His body crashes into the window, and a crying William tells a thankful Addie to find a way out of here and be careful, and he must keep going. Tara asks, what if we put the acid on the bars? But Brent's like, come on, how are we going to do that with our hands? Brent sees a mirror and wonders who's behind the glass. Tara asks, what do you want? And Pam is in the other cell crying for help. She grabs her tape and listens on. Hoffman hangs up more pictures of the test subject and gets a call from Erickson. He found the Seth Baxter tape and wants to talk to him in person.
Jill goes to the hospital and drops that large envelope through a mail slot in a doctor's office. We get a flashback to Timothy from Saw 3. He's in a wheelbarrow. John gives Hoffman some engineering advice, and then Hoffman dumps Timothy's body onto the ground. John asks if Mark likes how brutality feels, and he tells him he wants him to suffer as much as he does. Amanda and Hoffman chat now, and he tells her he doesn't take his life for granted. She says she's not going anywhere. Then he asks, you sure about that? And I wrote, John is very sickly looking. Time to get Dr. Denlin, he says. Jill greets them as he's pushed in the wheelchair. She asks John to stop, and he promises her that he will provide a way out of her, a way out for her, and he gives her a key, and she'll know when to use it. All right, Brian, go ahead. That's the next two scenes I got. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot on this group of scenes. Um, first of all, I'll say I can't believe we've gone four scenes, and this is the first time that this is being mentioned, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Betsy Russell, can I say, looks amazing in this movie. Um, I think she ages amazingly i also think she gives her best performance of the entire franchise in this movie right here um the trap with the file clerk alan and the middle-aged secretary like for as crappy of a lesson or if that was even a lesson for the like we talked about with the janitor trap this to me is a very good lesson like i think that it's like i I don't know i really like this trap as simple as it is um you know, this is also a first installment of the franchise where Billy the Puppet appears in person to deliver the rules of the game rather than a warning or congratulations message. Um, and this is also the first installment where Jigsaw appears in a pre-recorded video to deliver the rules of the game. So that's a nice little fun fact there. And um, I want to give props to, I think it's a genius idea uh, for the mom, Tara, by the way, and her son, for her to say, let's put the acid on the bars or eat away at them. Like, you don't usually see that kind of smarts out of victims in movies. And to me, that stood out. I was like, hey, you know what? That's smart as shit. Um, you know, last thing, like I said, I don't have much about these, this group of scenes. But um, I think this is, this is uh, you know, a good group of scenes that, you know, moves the plot along. And I really do love, you know, we talked about the nonlinear storytelling. But I really do love how everything's so intertwined. And, and you know, the flashbacks that kind of insert Hoffman in. While, you know, I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, this is the first time the franchise does it. I know it does it again later, and that's why I don't care for that one that much, because I'm like, okay, you've already done this. But, you know, this is the first time it does it, so I'm like, all right, I can buy that Hoffman was there the whole time. But it just makes me hate Hoffman even more. So, I mean, you know, just the flashback. So, I guess it accomplishes what it wants to do. And it's definitely more interesting than the the side plot here with Hoffman and, and the police force, which you know, I'll kind of get into a little bit later and Mike kind of touched on, but um, I, I like the flashbacks for sure. Yeah. So right off the bat, I like, I, I'm, I'm intrigued when I, when I watch this opening scene here and it's the mom and son and you don't really, you know, why they kind of go at why they're there, but you don't know as the viewer, like how they tie in. And I think it's great for that reason. I'm intrigued. It's gotten me hooked. And I now I really want to see while they're, why they're there, how they tie into William. And I think the two as you know, they, they do kind of have an on-street chemistry that I could see as mom and son. And I think it's good. And I, I like that they're confused and, and where he as the viewer are kind of confused with them. So, I enjoy this little side plot here and how it ties in um, way more than I do the Hoffman storyline. And again, I've meant to mention this and I just forgot, but I also like the inclusion of Perez in this. I just don't like how she's executed or, you know, how, 
how it's executed later on. But, um, you know, I don't have a ton here because this is kind of like those scenes that kind of move stuff along. But I like the trap and how he has to pick who lives and who dies according to his rules. And I think that's really fun. And I like the Jigsaw puppet delivering this in person. It's creepy. Really, really cool. And I don't, you know, Nico ha- now has one of his own, you know, and that, you know, that's what I think of now when I watch this movie. It, it, it just a really like creepy vibe from that. But I, I, I agree with you, Brian. I like that that trap because it is just a very simple, super easy one, and it, it, it it's emotional though. Like I mean, it, he has to look, he has to look at real people instead of just pieces of paper and see what he's been doing and kind of pick, you know, like. And I think that's really interesting. Um, as simple as the trap is. Uh, not a whole lot more, but I, I like the interaction with, uh, with John and Jill. I think it's really good. And Brian, you mentioned it. I was kind of saving it because I know I normally come off the top and then I, the, the, you know, with the call me sometime, but I decided to save it. Jill, call me sometime. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I don't have a whole lot on these scenes either, but what I do have is that I love how they trick you with Tara and Brent. You know, you're thinking that William is the the father that they're referring to because that's who they see on the screen. And you're like, oh, so that's what makes the ending so special to me um, was this scene right here. But um, I love, 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 love the trap with the barbed wire nooses with uh, the, you know, the secretary and then the the loner because it really forces William to, you know, reflect and uh, do some self-realization of how much of a scumbag he is because by his policy he made the wrong choice so uh i I really enjoyed that scene right there a lot too uh and then i (laughs) okay boy i'll tell you this set of scenes by now my cte's got me in a blender with all the flashbacks because i'm sitting here like what what was that three was that four was that five like by now i'm like fuck man what's going on what movie was that i don't but (laughs) you know it's okay um because normally i do watch these as a like a like a binge type watch them all together so it's normally but when i rewatched it this time just this movie i was like holy shit man i don't remember but anyway i thought they were well done except for like brian mentioned earlier that bald cap that's the one thing that i'm a shit on the most on this movie that i didn't bring up but that bald cap was terrible um i thought i always get a little chuckle when Hoffman dumps the body and Huff, uh, and then John's like, that's a human life. It's like, my, my man, you're about to strap that man up in a brutal ass uh, uh, trap. And you're concerned about that being a human life. Like uh, that, that always gets a chuckle out of me, but uh, hey, your, your Keanu Reeves voice and uh, Tobin Bell voice are the same, by the way. <laughs> I mean, they kind of have similar voices. Holy shit. What if, <laughs> what if John Wick grows up to be John Crane? Anyway, um, no, no, that's Michael McCallister, brother. Yeah, Kevin yeah. McCallister. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. Hey, okay. hey, that you you mentioned that bald cap. That bald cap looks worse than this one I wore when I was eight years old when I went as Hallow. I went for Halloween as Stone Cold Steve Austin, brother. I'm not joking. I mean, it's right. it's a toughie. All right. Side note: Send me a picture of that. Um, second of all, uh, no, because yeah, I'll no, I'll be memed for the internet to see it. I don't need you to do that. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that, that's all I've really got on this set of scenes. Not a whole lot, but yeah, by this time I'm really doing the mental Olympics, trying to keep up with the flashbacks. No, oh, I can't even spell CTE. <laughs> all right, Brian, cut that. 
<laughs> Cut your own joke out of there. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, right. no Ryan dad joke. Come on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let Wh- me live. William is in a boiler-like room full of steam traps. He flashes back to when John requested coverage and met with him. He tells William of a doctor in Norway who does gene therapy. William says Dr. Gordon would have pursued it if he thought you were a good candidate. William tells him it's not feasible for Umbrella and its policy. William says he will be dropped if he pursues this. John says in the Far East, they only pay when they're healthy, not sick, so they get what they want. He brings up politicians, doctors, and patients, but then he ends up blaming it's the insurance companies. He tells William he has money, and this is about principle. He says, this is my life in question. And sorry, but I wrote this. Uh, he now drops my, this is my favorite line of the whole series. He now drops my favorite line to William with a stern gaze into his eyes. You think it's the living who have ultimate judgment over you because the dead will have no claim over your soul, but you may be mistaken. He finds his next tape in game. The tape tells him he must help Debbie cross his room in 90 seconds. He holds the key to her survival. And she just has to crawl through this uh, like cage tunnels with steam traps all through them. He holds the key to her survival. She gets burned by the steam, and William pulls a lever that stops the steam so she can cross it, but burns, but it burns him every time he does it. She crawls through a huge steam trap and up this ladder. It's revealed the key to her freedom has been sewn into William's body. Only 20 seconds. She grabs a saw and slashes at him, but he punches her and fights her off. She runs out of time, and the trap punctured her skull, killing her. He removes another bomb. Pamela listens to her tape again. It says she will experience the meaning of sacrifice, and you'll see the consequence of those who unjustly hurt others. She destroys her tape and sees William walk through, and in blood it says, see it work. Brent sees the camera, and someone is watching them and what decision they'll make. But Tara says not to pull the lever yet. All right, go ahead, Brian. I think I have the most nitpicks out of this group of scenes that I do of all of them. Um, first of all, I'll start out with a good note. I, I love how the boiler room scenes, like I love how they're shot. The film has like that almost like desaturated look to it. And it's like a, either a red or orange filter on it or something. I, anyway, I think it looks fantastic. So I wanted to point that out. Um, it is a little bit of stretch to me, though, that the tattoos or I don't know if it's tattoos, the writing that's on his wrists whenever he takes the, the clamps off. To me, like, I, I don't think I, I'd never thought that those were detailed enough to trigger flashbacks. I mean, it's like, you know, what, what one said, like the party, you know, I mean, how many parties has this dude gone to? And I mean, I know that, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe that one conversation stood out enough. But I don't know. That seems like a pretty big jump for him to assume that he's going to remember just based on those two words or whatever. That's just that to me was a little bit of a stretch. Um also, it was a nice little touch of the flashback in William's office with the piranhas in the background in the fish tank. But like with that said, I think it was way too on the nose for Kramer to point them out. Like, I wish they would have just kind of let that to the audience to kind of put together personally. But that's just, you know, a little nitpick of mine. And lastly, you know, I, I think it's a very tense scene with Emily in the maze. But come on. Like that kick to the nuts would have taken William out. Look, he's definitely not immediately getting up and hitting her back. No way. Even with his little insurance denying dick, it's not happening. Um, maybe but, he's all right, so, Yeah, maybe. Okay. All right. So I'll give you that. But tell me, tell me this though. Like, and this is my biggest, I love it because it makes a good story, but that's some problem I have with this big, long trap, you know, with all these different traps. What happens here? 
if she gets the key back. Like, I'll give you the first two because those are pretty sure wins for William. I mean, obviously, he's picking who dies in the first one. And the first one, or the second one, the first trap, he's pretty pretty much got the janitor. But, you know, what happens here if she gets the key back? What happens if she kills him? Like, the whole... Like the whole ending set up with the family, his sister, like the whole thing's for naught. So I don't know. I think that's pretty damn risky right there. Um, I mean, you know, all she, she, I mean, all she really had to do was kick him in the nuts and cut him open. I mean, and, and realistically, that probably would have happened when she did kick him in the nuts. So anyway, that's just, like I said, I had nothing but really a whole lot of nitpicks in that group of scenes. Right. And I'm glad you said that, Brian, because this is probably my least my least favorite set of scenes in the movie. Um, I it's my least favorite trap in this movie for sure. Uh, for all the reasons you said, I'm going to touch on it in a second, but just kind of backtracking some. Not a whole lot because I didn't want to just completely shit on everything. But I uh, the interaction with 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 John Kramer and William, it's great. I like that flashback, and we have a lot of flashbacks in this franchise. But I really really enjoy. Um, the interaction, you know, when John's trying to get his cancer treatment and, and, and they won't fund it. I think it's really, it's good to see, like, obviously we know why William's there now, but it's good to see that it had a personal effect on John Kramer as well. I think that was a really good choice and a really good, interesting thing to put in this movie. It makes it even more, it makes me even more tied into William's story. And again, as much as I'm not this big John Kramer defender, like some people that love this franchise are, that swear up and down he's never murdered anybody, uh, in this circumstance, I, he is teaching William a lesson here, and it did personally affect his life. So I, I, I see this one makes sense. Back to this trap, I don't like it for everything that you just said, Brian. What happens? All it takes is one wrong move by William, and he's done. So what does that do for everybody else? That makes zero sense to me. It, 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 I'm sure there's a logical way that I, I'm just completely missing here, but it didn't hit for me. I, I just think that it, this is the only dud as far as the traps in this movie. I, I think that it falls flat. And, uh, you know, you mentioned him being kicked in the nuts. Yeah, one more time and he's done for, man. <laughs> like, open him up, take the key, forget about it. And so I think that leaving one of these up to chance that aren't super easy wins – for William, I think was kind of it could have ruined the whole thing. So I didn't necessarily like that from a just kind of moving the story along standpoint. Yeah. So uh, first of all, when we get introduced to the boiler room, I thought that the next trap was he was going to have to face the Undertaker and Mankind in a boiler room match, and I was here for it. Now, but now uh, hold on, player. <laughs> um, no, I completely agree with Brian, though, about the vague nature of the messages on his arms. Like, yeah, the party. Yes. Oh, yeah, that one specific party when John Kramer was talking to me about, the, get the fuck out of my face with that. Like, come on. That's just way too vague. Um, unless this is a, a lame-ass dude, and maybe that is the only party he's ever been to. Um, <laughs> but the, the steam trap was brutal to watch, though, just yes. because, like, you know, that shit... If, you know, if it were real, that shit had to be hot as hell. And, uh, you know, just seeing the agony of him when he's having to sacrifice and take the steam so she can get through. And then uh, at the end, when she makes it to the last little home stretch there and he lets go and it's blasting her right in the face. Like, Jesus, that was that was painful to watch. But um, why didn't 
why didn't they try to reason? Like, you see the x-ray there, and okay, the key's inside him. It couldn't have been that deep, and he's got stitches. Like, she didn't even try to be like, okay, let's rip your stitches out so I can get the key. She just straight up tried to kill him. She went for the kill, and that doomed her. Like, come on. Like, if she would have just been like, okay, we got a minute. Let's get that key out of you. Maybe they could have worked together, but she just grabbed the saw and tried to cut my man. So I don't blame him for kicking her, you know, for letting her fall. And by the way, when she died and went tumbling down, that was a bit much for me. (laughs) It's just kind of funny how her body tumbled all the way down and hit every possible step on the way down. But um, the one thing that I'll say to your point about what happens had she got the key, then it would have ruined it. I don't think it would have ruined it because you also got to remember the plot twist that's coming at the end. This is not his game. So if he dies now, maybe Tara and Brent are just like, okay, we can go now. Like, yeah, every- I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Like does, so then what does Hoffman make her choose, make them choose like killing, uh, what's her name? The, his wife. I mean, our sister, I mean, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I don't know. To me, it just messes the whole thing up. It's very, right. chance, very risky, very risky. It, it, it is risky, but I think, you know, I, I got to believe that as intricate as these uh, the traps are and how crazy the, the plots have been up to this point that there had to be a backup plan. I don't think that Hoffman's a moron, uh, even though he's being a little reckless in this film, taunting and uh, not even trying to hide who he is. I still think, you know, you, I choose to believe that had that been the case, uh, there would have been a backup plan in place to, uh, to keep things moving along as planned. I would hope so because, you know, you mentioned how intricate all the, you know, a lot of the saw traps are for the most part, but you know, I, I just, it did feel out of place to have a running plot line with one character be that up to chance. And I, I do get what you're saying, Dustin. There, there's probably a yeah, backup plan, but it just felt while watching it, it kind of takes away from it a little bit to me because we do want to see William c- c- continue to go because we want to see what the ultimate, you know, what his ultimate judgment ends up being because that's, you know, saw, saw, uh, am I thinking of Saul four? Very similar, you know, very same kind of uh, story arc throughout. So that's kind of where I go with it. Yeah, because <clears throat> like you said, Saul four the girl with the the hair trap could have killed rig and then the movie absolutely over. <laughs> absolutely or in I mean, three, that, the lawyer could have jumped slow ass motherfucking jeff shout out to dead meat uh the <laughs> the lawyer could have just killed him <laughs> if he wasn't paying attention but no i get oh, what you're coming from oh look at saw four being done oh sorry never mind anyway no saw four is great uh but anywho uh, hoffman shows up to meet erickson and perez and she tells him there were traces of basically freon in the fingerprints the voice with Seth Baxter's tape was scrambled intentionally, and it wasn't John Kramer. She asks if he's timing something, and they head to the lab to hear the voice unscrambled. Jill opens the box and places an envelope and a clicker in a bag and gets in her car. William goes through a door, and shout out to Mike because me and him both agree on this. William goes through a door and reveals the greatest trap in Saw history, in my opinion. The Absolutely. dog pound is all in there as they recognize William's voice. He pushes through the door, and lights come on and reveal the dog pen all on a carousel bound to it, spinning in a circle. The tape says that only two can live and he can save two of them by pushing a button that will stab his hand. Their deaths marked by the blood on his hands. It stops first on Aaron and he begs for his life, but he's shot by the shotgun. The second person that stops on is Emily. She tells William that she has two kids and he knows them well. So he spares her life. 
The third person stops on is Gina, but he doesn't spare her life, and she's shot by the shotgun. And between each turn, the dog pen yelled to William why they should live and to follow the policy. The next person up is Dave, uh, and, he, and he says his parents are loaded, but he's killed next. Next up is Shelby, and William spares her life. <laughs> and up next is Josh, who realizes his fate. He yells at William, at William, calling him a spineless, pussy-whipped motherfucker, and his policy is bullshit. And you look at me, and you look at me when you're killing me. William looks on at the dead bodies and the two survivors. And the next two scenes are the ending. I really love the uh, carousel trap. Uh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, the carousel. I mean, what what else can you say about it? I mean, some fun facts about it. Uh, originally, it had ten victims tied to it, um, but this was changed for pacing and also to tie in with the saw six and the six victims, and so. Uh, also, it's the longest trap at uh, eight minutes, I believe, and claims the most victims of any trap in the franchise. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can't I if you don't like that, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Um, I love and I love that dude when he knows he's about to die. I mean, he just goes ape shit. He's you just you motherfucker, you spineless pussy whip motherfucker. Uh, you know, your policy is bullshit. I love his rant. I think it's great. Um, and it was it just me. To me, it seemed like one of Eddie Winslow's reasons why he wanted to be saved was family matters. Did he say family matters? I think I think I think he did. I don't oh, know. I, I oh, would go back. I God. think I, I really think that he said family matters. So I, so I don't know. Anyway. Hey, Brian, um, cut uh, that. <laughs> Love you, brother. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, this is definitely Brian my favorite. Yeah, I've kids. Uh, <clears throat> this is definitely uh, my favorite. Um, set of scenes uh, look and, and let me just say is for serious you can just see how beaten William is at the end of this set of scenes and I think it's great acting by Peter Outerbridge who who plays uh, William I think he plays a great asshole and I think is honestly better than Costas Mandalore as uh, as Hoffman to me I, I think I think he he deserves credit uh, Outerbridge fantastic job here yeah, so I I actually this this one particular uh, set of scenes right here at the beginning with Hoffman meeting with Erickson Perez, I like I as much as I'm not a huge fan of this cop side plot, this scene works for me because I I I know that we're about to get something like I I you know and I I like that. Um, but Nico, you mentioned it. This set of scenes is about one thing. And it is the best saw trap of all time. I don't think it's that close. This thing is awesome. Not so much the trap itself. And while it is a cool trap, I like that concept. The intensity of this scene. This is why this movie having a plot so deep as it does works so well. And it's because everybody on... I know we didn't get a ton of character development, but we've been introduced to everybody on this carousel. And now he has to pick who lives and who dies. And he gets to look his people in the face and has to look at them while he does it and take punishment for all the other ones. And I just think it's a really good concept. The intensity of the scene, you're kind of on the edge of your seat for the whole damn thing. And it's so well done. It's well shot, which so many Saw movies kind of end up a little bit on the low budget side. This one doesn't to me, or, you know, at least not in this scene. I think cinematography is good. It feels very saw. It's shot really well. And the acting by all involved, is so good. 
and I, I, I just feel every, every scene, every hole punch in the hand, and every time somebody gets shot, like I just, I, I think it's really, really, really damn good. It, it, it reminds me of, uh, I'm thinking of the, I'm gonna draw a blank. There's been so many traps, but it, it, it is the best one to me out of all the films, and I think that's what this set of scenes is about. It's fantastic. I, I can't, and it ties into the plot so well. It makes a lot of sense, and you know. I like the guy going on the ramp because that's exactly why William chose the two people that he did is because he's whipped. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the the first thing about this set of scenes is to go back to Hoffman being there when they get the tape unscrambled or, you know, they're, they're, they're letting him fly too close to the sun here uh, without getting burnt. Like why, why are you screwing yourselves right here? Don't let him in on what you're doing. Don't let him know that you're unscrambling and he's gonna he's wanna, gonna want to be there for this. Fuck that. You know it's him by now. So only thing you're doing is you're letting this guy that you know to be a killer in on this shit. So that that just annoys the hell out of me. But to go forward, yes, I agree. This trap is phenomenal. I don't know that it's my favorite trap, but it's really damn high up on the list. It's it's phenomenal. Um, I, I love how symbolic it is of his policy that's basically what he did to john kramer that's basically what he did to uh tara's husband and brent's dad he looked them in the eye and sentenced them to death and so uh, i I love this trap um and again the the acting of the you know some may call it overacting but uh what would you do if you know that he's chose to save two Women have said, yeah, you're going to freak the fuck out and call him every name under the sun as well. And so I thought that was uh, a very memorable scene for the right reasons. Like it stood out not because of the overacting, because it's very relatable. I would probably be freaking out even more. And I enjoy the fact that he said, you look at me when you kill me. Like, yeah, that's what you did. You son of a bitch. William should have been the one taking the shoddy to the face. But it is what it is. Good set of scenes. Oh, yeah, I love it. Here's the ending. Back in the lab, they're still unscrambling the Seth Baxter tape. Sashi says they had access to impressive technology. Hoffman seems really nervous. Erickson and Perez says things aren't adding up. Perez doesn't understand Strom's motivation. And uh, uh, Hoffman pours himself some coffee. Erickson now says, let's say he did do it to set up Hoffman. But upon further review, the fingerprints from Strom, he was already dead. And then Sashi gets the tape on scrambling and reveals it's Hoffman's voice. He cuts Erickson's throat, he kills the power, and he throws the hot coffee on Perez's face. He grabs Sashi and Perez shoots her, killing her. He then stabs Perez in the gut over and over and asks who else knows about him. She says, everyone, and he stabs her some more. He goes outside, grabs Strom's arm and hand, and some gas. He leaves more fingerprints and lights the place on fire. Jill is now in the room with the monitors watching William's game in the two cells. Hoffman shows back up, and Jill leaves the bag in a locker in the room, and she leaves a note from Pam on the desk. Brent tells Tara to stay away from the sprinkler, and they need to make a decision. He pushes the lever up as William gets closer, and Pamela gets in a corner scared. Nothing happens, though, and he screams in anger. Tara moves the lever back and looks at the timer. Hoffman finds a note, and it's the note, it's the one he left for Amanda, Back in Saw 3, he told Amanda to kill Dr. Denlin, and if she doesn't, he'll tell John that she was there the night Cecil killed John and Jill's baby. Jill appears and shocks Hoffman. William makes it to the end in time. 
He hears that if he fails, he'll never see his family again. He asks Tara what she's doing here, but it's revealed the conversation earlier with William and his office was to Pam Jenkins, his sister, his only family. Tara and Brent are Harold's wife and son, the man who killed his dad. Jill now binds Hoffman to the chair. John's tape comes on and tells Tara he apologizes for this treatment and, and that William made the sacrifices to save a loved one, but he didn't save your husband, and it's in your power to save a life. William's life is in Tara's hands. It's not my game, William says. Jill puts the new reverse bear trap onto Hoffman's head. William steps on the platform, activating the lever. Pam begs for mercy. Jill tells Hoffman there was more. There was one more envelope, and it's John's will. Tara says she couldn't forgive herself if William hurt someone else, but she can't pull the lever. Brent has no problem pulling the lever. You killed my father, you motherfucker, and pulls it towards death. Spikes from the ceiling crash into William's back, and the acid is injected into his body, disintegrating his flesh, and it activates Mark's bear trap as Jill leaves the room. Hoffman bashes the trap against his hand and gets it free and loosens his other binding as flashbacks play and William's body falls apart in half. Flashbacks play of Hoffman. He grabs a screwdriver trying to pry free. He rams the trap through the barred window and slides out the bear trap. And the film ends with Hoffman yelling with his cheek ripped apart and bloody with several flashback door slams. All right, Brian, what do you think about the ending, brother? Um, Dustin touched on this a little bit, but that whole Seth Baxter like tape voice reveal thing of Hoffman, it's frustrating as hell to me because, I mean, damn, like you said, they suspected Hoffman, but they didn't have any backup or, you know, tell anyone else about the findings, which I don't know if it was a budgetary thing, but it seemed to me like a very noticeable budgetary absence of other cops everywhere they go in the police department, which I don't know. I guess it's at night, but it's still, it just seemed very empty every time they were in there. Um, plus, I'm mean, shit. I've waited forever for Hoffman to bite it, and he survives. It's frustrating as hell. Um, the old bait and switch reveal the family, amazing, so satisfying. Um, I, I do nitpick, kind of wish William would have gotten there with like three seconds left or five seconds left. One second is just so cliche, but uh, I mean, okay, okay. Um, lastly, Michael's death. Holy shit. Definitely my favorite spoiler alert of the whole of the whole movie. Just fatality. Like all in all, I think it's just a, a great way to end it up. Um, I really did like the whole game over door slams. Um, you know, the only thing I didn't like was, you know, I was hoping a Hoffman's demise finally, but you know, we have the not so final chapter to look forward to next. And, and, uh, um, you know, I, other, uh, it's not a bad ending at all. Um, it takes us into the next one. Um, it's definitely not a standalone for sure. Uh, but all in all, uh, good ending. Yeah. I think this movie is held up really well by the last set of scenes because of the carousel trap. Um, I have some nitpicks here at the end. I'm kind of with the rest of you where I just, don't buy the unscrambling Seth Baxter tape and how, how they find out it's Hoffman. And again, here, here we are again, Hoffman is a murderer. Uh, and again, that's fine, but it's just, it's just kind of goes so far away from what the intended soft plot line is. Um, I, and again, I hate to just crap all over Hoffman because I, I don't think the character has acted poorly or anything. I just don't think he really fits with what 
I think everything like the original intent of what Saul was going for. But I guess if you're going to keep going, you kind of need someone that's been there the whole time. Um, yeah. So I love this twist here at the end and how it's, it's not William's family and how it ends up that they get to kill Will or they, they get to choose to kill William. And I like the injection debt. I think it's it now it takes a long time, but he almost deserves it. He deserves a little bit of punishment here. And how he ends up dying, I, I think it's a really creative way to do it. Uh, watching the body fall in half is kind of blech. Like, it takes a little bit to get me, but I thought it was gross. It was really well done. Um, the very end, man, I'm with you, Brian. Can we get Hoffman the F up out of here, man? And he survived. And I can understand if you were a, like a real true blue Saw fan, why, how, how that would probably be kind of you know badass to have Hoffman kind of break out of a saw trap. Not a lot of people do that. And so I see that. But for me, I, I want him gone as well. But uh, like you said, it does provide story progression. And it kind of gets us into the next one, which I have a lot of problems with. But I, I all in all, I really enjoyed this movie. And I, I think you're right. It's not a standalone, but it is a really good it, – it's a good installment in a franchise that probably needed a good installment by this point. And – I just and oh, I also love the door slamming, and you know, with all the different door slamming, I think that's really well done. I think that's a uh, a nice touch. But overall, not a bad uh, not a bad film. I think the ending could have uh, been a little bit better, but I I feel like at that point I'm just nitpicking because of course we were going to get a seventh one if Hoffman lived. So yeah, yeah. So um, you know, to rehash what I already said, the unscrambling reveal is just stupid to me because. You know, you already know that he's the killer. And when I say you already know, I'm talking about Perez and you know the feds there. You know that it's Hoffman. So to have him there when you reveal it is just stupid because you know he's a stone cold killer. You know you're probably going to die if you're in the room with him. Um, and then the fact that they had no backup is just ridiculous as well because I would probably have already had it set up. Hey, we've got we've got this big revelation coming in this case. You might want to send some people over just in case. Um, and then they he wasted Hoffman wasted way too much time to plant all of those fingerprints if he's just gonna burn the motherfucker down. Uh, that that to me was frustrating. It was just uh filler, I felt like in the film, to show him go out and get the hand and flashback to see him pry the hand off the top of the cage there or railing, whatever it was. Uh that was filler to me because he comes back and it shows him putting the handprints everywhere. Then just lights it on fire. It was unnecessary um, because most of the stuff that he put the fingerprints on is meltable. Uh, is if that's a word, meltable. Uh, it, it would have melted in the fire, so you can't salvage a fingerprint off of it anyway. Um, flash forward. I like. I love the reveal, the plot twist with the family when you find out that Tar and Brent are not his family. That's not who it is. It's the reporter. Dun, dun, dun. That was great. That was a great reveal. Very well done. And then I love how they let Tar and Brent choose. Does he live or does he die? The, you know, the poetic justice of, you know, you got to choose whether my dad, whether my husband is alive or not. So uh, I agree with Brent. Pull that lever. Light that motherfucker up. And that trap is brutal. Yeah. Just the fact that it pinned him to the cage. 
but not only did it pin him, but it had, I don't know, hundreds of needles poking into his back. And not only that, just to pump him full of floor, uh, of hydrofluoric acid, like that shit is brutal and disgusting. Like when, when his body just kind of falls apart there. Um, but awesome death, awesome, uh, awesome finale to the film there. And I agree with you, Brian, though. I, I said the same thing with the reverse bear trap, the way he was able to stick it in the, uh, metal bars on the door at one second. Like, yeah, I agree. That's entirely too cliche. That's what every movie does to make it seem more dramatic, but it is unnecessary. Just have him get over there with seven seconds left or something. And whew, you know, he just made it. But, um, oh, I didn't, I didn't even think about that one. You're absolutely right. But I was talking about when Michael got there, um, you know, I guess in the, to that middle cell in between, you know, his family, I guess, and that other family, he got there to with like, oh. I believe with one second left. Like, so they both, I guess, were at one second left. I didn't yeah, even realize that. You're right. I was uh, re going through my notes when I heard you talk about the one second. I just assumed that's what you're talking about because I had it wrote down too. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's twice in the final five minutes of the movie that uh, we get this typical lazy, uh, uh, yes. you know, stick with the movies with them going to the one second on the clock. Uh, buzzer beater so but other uh, overall i think it's a good finale to the movie i was very uh thoroughly pleased to see william die take it away nico <laughs> yeah william's death is awesome uh y'all ready y'all get any more final thoughts we jump into just uh, some quick fun facts no sir all right i'll just knock mine out y'all said a lot of mine throughout which is awesome i just got three of them from imdb at eight minutes, the carousel trap is the longest trap in the series. The carousel trap originally had 10 victims tied to it, but this was changed for pacing and also to tie in with the film's title. And the last one I have is, this is the first Saw film to not feature an audio tape playing in the final moments to explain one of the games. Saw, Saw 3, and Saw 4 ended with tapes from Jigsaw. Saw 2 ended with a tape from Amanda, and Saw 5 ended with a tape from Hoffman. And that's the only three facts I have left. Anybody got any more? No, I said all mine. I've got I've got two. Uh this film was banned in Thailand when it was released. Um and like they couldn't show it in theaters because it was too gory. And then also in Spain, it received a rating of X, so it also wasn't uh shown in theaters, which obviously hurt Mike's gonna get into the numbers, I'm assuming, uh, but it's gonna hurt the uh, box office numbers there because that's two countries that they weren't allowed to show it in theaters. Uh, in Spain, they give movies a, an R13 movie rating, which what that means in America, something's rated R. It means you need to be 18 years or older or with a, an adult to see it. In Spain, that number is R13. And there was no way that they could get it modified and get it cut to meet that, uh, to meet that, uh, threshold there so it was not shown in spain nor was it shown in thailand as alan from the hangover called it <laughs> um by the way that this movie of all movies gets the rated x it wasn't that it wasn't any worse than any of the other saws but anyway uh, okay so this movie had an 11 million dollar budget and it grossed 68.2 million dollars so of course there was going to be another one <laughs> 
Yeah, but I think this was still like the lowest one that it made um, in the it franchise, money wise. Yeah, it was. All right, already this point. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but still, it still made almost six times its budget, so it still did well. All right, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating, and I'll just go first tonight since everyone knows what I'm going to do. Uh, my favorite kill, I chose William Easton, uh, dissolved in half by acid. I just wrote, what a horrible way to go. Uh, my least favorite kill was Sashi, the audio on Scramblers, who just got shot by Perez. Uh, rating, I gave you 10. Everyone knows it's coming. To no surprise, this is my favorite film and my favorite franchise. This entire franchise is nostalgic to me, and I remember seeing this movie in theaters, and I love it now as much as I did then. Uh, it's one of the best endings in the franchise. Love seeing Tobin Bell acting and the scenes with him and William. I love watching William's games. His games are truly the best when it comes to testing the subject with their issues. Uh, the Carousel Trap is my favorite of the franchise. I got a few cons. One, I wish it was 15 to 20 minutes longer, and we go ahead and get the Dr. Gordon reveal in this so so we never get that piss-poor Saw 3D. And another is, uh, like you guys said, another is how Erickson and Perez weren't prepared at all for Hoffman's attacks in the end. Because, I mean, like, yeah, it's like they knew what was going on the whole fucking time, so... You're not prepared for this man going to kill y'all too. But in conclusion, I, I love this movie and franchise, and I hope in 2021 we get some Saw franchise stars on our show, which I, I really hope we do. Who wants to go next? I'll go ahead and go, I guess. Um, So <clears throat> this movie to me, I think, is all about the traps and less about the people playing the games, you know, as much as the other ones were. Um. I don't care about the people and it's like it's like the self-sacrifice and like the lessons learned aren't so much about like themselves in this. It's more about like picking someone's fate or like having your fate chosen for you like William. Well, by the way, I think in the very last scene, I called him Michael. I don't know where the hell that came from, but it's William. But, But like William was was put in like a position to, you know, to pick and choose who lived and died. But that's what he already did as a job. I mean, I guess empathy was the lesson he was supposed to like learn but to me like in in Kramer's other traps like everyone had a chance to get out and like here it was all about like William going through and learning whatever lesson but like fuck everybody else that were (laughs) that was throughout this whole game this was very very Saw 3-esque with uh yeah yeah right yeah and uh you know, anyway, I mean, that may be like a mind or a statement to like Kramer's mindset, like at that point in time. But I don't know. But like, I think this whole thing to me would have fit more if it was Hoffman making these traps here. Now, I would I mean, I, I love Kramer and Jigsaw making the traps. It just to me, it would have fit more to me. It would have made more sense in like that whole lesson regard. But um, all in all, shit, it's the sixth installment and it still keeps me interested um, again, like I said, it's one big gigantic movie and while it's, you know, it's not my favorite one of the franchise, I can't remember where I ranked it. I think I put it behind one, two and four for sure. Um, I believe I can't attest to that for a fact. Go listen to it. on don't go out there.com. Um, but I think this was another solid entry for sure. Um, you know, my, my favorite, uh, kill was William. Like I said, great effects. And, uh, my least favorite kill I think was Alan, you know, choking, you know, just being pulled away off screen. And uh, I gave I gave this movie a, a solid seven. Yeah. So uh, Brian mentioned something that I I think is important about this movie, and it is the sixth installment in a franchise. 
And that's those normally go terribly wrong, except Friday the 13th and Saw. Uh, I think that this is a really, really entertaining horror movie. And it's it's it has everything. It hits all the it hits all of Saw's greatest hits. It's got all the trap the, the right traps, the right kills, the gore is good, the plot is good. Um, it has the best saw trap of all time in the carousel one. And I've already said it, but it's worth repeating here. Um, but I really like the plot here. I think obviously you can't watch this movie as a standalone. You need to see the other ones for it to make sense. But I think that's just kind of saw that's kind of where the franchise went. And I like that about the saw franchise. Um, all in all really enjoyable movie. I've hit my highs and lows, but my favorite kill it's William. I think the effects look really good there, and I really want to see him die, so that works for me. My least favorite kill is probably Debbie, because I think the trap was stupid, and she she probably could have won the trap, and she didn't, and she's an idiot, so that's probably my least favorite kill there. I'm a, I went ahead and gave this movie a 7.5, and it's, it's a really good installment in Saw. I think I ranked it number two. I'm not 100% sure when we did Saw rankings, but... Uh, if it's not two, it's definitely three, and it's it's really really good. And upon rewatch, I like it even more. So, uh, job well done, the Saw. They consistently put out good to really really good movies in their franchise. All right, so <clears throat> for me, like I said, uh, off the off the rip of the episode, I I think this is my third favorite film in the franchise. I really enjoy the movie. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in it, a lot of cool traps. Um, it really fits nicely as far as a piece to the puzzle, uh, no pun intended of the franchise. Uh, it, it really ties some, put some bows on some, some storylines and further some others. Um, where there's things that could have been improved on. Yeah. The, uh, Hoffman storyline may have drug on too much. Um, the cops or he should have been busted way before he was uh he shouldn't have made it as far as he did um the flashbacks will like i said put you in a blender if you're not uh mentally sharp enough to remember all the shit that's happened in the five movies that precede this one but overall i really enjoy it really good movie um as far as the my favorite kill i went with william just because the brutality of the trap and the creativeness of you know putting his fate after he's been in going through the ringer, trying to survive, make it to the end, putting his fate in someone else's hand. Um, so it's it, the, the, the poetic justice there. I really enjoyed that. Um, plus, he, you know, he's a dick, so he deserved to die. Uh, to quote Samuel L. Jackson, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Uh, least favorite kill was Hank, just because, you know, it, it wasn't a bad trap, but he, did he really deserve to die just because he smokes? Like, that really bothers me that they they put him in that that spot there but as far as my ranking go i went with an eight uh i really enjoyed the film so i went with a solid eight and that puts our composite score uh obviously nico brought it up some but 8.125 awesome i had a lot of fun reviewing it uh sequel like i said at the beginning it's a episode sequel month i think we've all picked some really good movies um Ones that mean a lot to us, a lot too. Right. Uh, like I know with Mike and Scream Four, I know that's very, very close to him. This one's very close to me. Uh, Brian Aliens, very close to him. And we all love scary movie too. It's all funny. Uh, sequel month was fun. Um, let's go ahead and announce our next theme month for. We're gonna kick off the new year 
with Brother Dustin's first pick in our Creature Feature. Dustin, you want to tell the fans what uh, your pick is for Creature Feature Month? Yes, sir. Creature Feature Month. Hey, this movie uh, is going to be the oldest movie that we've ever reviewed. This movie is a classic by every definition of the word. We're going to dip into Alfred Hitchcock for the first time. I went with The Birds. The Birds for my Creature Feature, and I'm excited to get Nico to watch a movie that he would never watch on his own. Facts. I'm happy, I was about to say surprise, I'm happy surprise. about that too. Never seen it. <laughs> I'm very happy that Nico has to watch this movie. One, because I think he's going to like it more than he thinks he does now. And I'm excited to talk about it. It's definitely the oldest film we reviewed. Yes. Oh, by a lot. Yeah, I figured. Well, I'm excited because it's, it's much better than you think, Nico. Oh, I'm going to go into it open-minded. I mean, I've never seen The Shining or Train to Busan. And I love both of them. So we'll see. Yeah, but those movies weren't made in 1963, so this is going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, those movies were in color, brother. <laughs> well, this one is too. This one is too. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I just want to say on behalf of all of us, to all the fans and listeners, uh, we're in. This is our last episode for 2020. I just want to thank everyone who's listened to us this year. Whether you've been with us from the beginning or you just jumped on, we really appreciate it. Um, I mean, regardless, we would do this show without the listeners because we just love doing it. But it really means a lot to us that people take the time to listen to us, comment on our post on social media, go to our website, buy our merchandise. Uh, shout out to Shan sending us cookies. I haven't forgot that. That's awesome. So, yeah, thank you, fans, for your support. We really appreciate it. We're going to try and give you – we're going to try and equal 2021 to 2020. This has been a great first year for us. Uh, thank you for the support. Y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody. Oh.